This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the Voice of Reason podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's guest is Torin, who speaks to me about his issues around gender. Now, he is a male and he's presenting as a male right now, but he's been dealing with emergent gender dysphoria or something like that for several years. We get into his story and the way in which he's been proceeding with these issues. This is a part of a series on this matter, and I hope it provides information and um, further experience for those who are dealing with this for themselves or somebody that they know or who are just interested in this topic. Uh, Every story, every individual adds something else to what is going on with this very complex issue that has a lot to do with more than just gender, but with the ways in which we treat one another in our society and conceive of ourselves as individuals in our society. So without further ado, here is Torin. What would you like for us to cover? Huh. I don't, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I think like we chatted about, I think I've got a lot, <laughs> mm. um, a lot, uh, a lot that goes through my head. Um, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm very much a, a thinker. Um, been studying the Enneagram lately, and I think I'm def- more of a definitely more of a Type Five, where where things have to make some sort of logical sense to me, and I um, I tend to process and think through things until they do. Um, huh. <laughs> uh, I think there's some semblance of of my recent life story that makes sense, but then a lot of it doesn't, and I'm still in the middle of trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, I mean, that's just kind of where I'm at. I I don't think as we chatted about it, I don't feel like we, I don't feel like I hear many voices out there that are, that are just genuinely sort of right in the middle. It's almost like, okay, so what, so either like you're, you're all gung ho about gender and transition Mm -hmm. or you're not. And it's like, well, this was bad. This was a wrong thing to do. And, and, um, I've been really intrigued by listening to a, a lot of uh, a lot of people you've talked to, and just felt like you've been giving it a fair, sort of a fair and balanced um, balanced approach that I don't feel like is always out there, especially when I'm sort of still right in the middle of things. Although mm-hmm. I've, I think I've, I've firmly made a decision that um, I'm not going to explore. Um, necessarily say transitioning further, but um, I think still trying to deal with it. I'm, I'm still right in the middle of it. Would you say that you experienced dysphoria with your gender? or? <laughs> See, that's a good question. I think if you would ask me that, say, six months ago, I would have said 100%. But then... Um, I think just listening to some of the voices you've brought on, whether it be uh, Daisy or um, 
the two um, people you, you posted yesterday or the day before. Um, it's like, well, what what is dysphoria? I I don't know. Um, do mm-hmm. I sit here and think, oh, hey, I'm not. I don't feel like a man. Oh, I, I don't know. What does it mean? What does it mean to feel like a man? What does it mean to feel otherwise? I mean, I think I could say that, you know, for my entire life, I've had an intense desire to, to live as a woman. Mm. But to say that, to say that I don't feel like a man or, or hate being a man, it's like, well, me, I, not, not so much. Um, so I guess it just depends on your uh, definition of dysphoria. Sorry, I've got a I got a Saint Bernard here that uh, oh, okay, <laughs> nice. <laughs> doesn't like it when I'm sitting here talking. That's no, that's um, all fine. Um, that's a good question. To live as a woman, do you want to? Is it like being perceived by society or by yourself? I think that's a good question. Um, Maybe a little bo- uh, both. There's always been this. Well, I, you know, I sort of wish I was born female and had a female body and all that stuff, and was perceived. And I mean, I think I've, you know, I've heard the term social dysphoria, and I, I think at times I've felt that. You know, there's been at times where I've felt out of place. You know, interacting with the world as as a man or in male groups, and felt more comfortable interacting in other spaces mm-hmm. um but that's not always true um it you know, it kind of depends on the group of people like i mean i have i have a group of guy friends right now that i that love hanging out with i mean we just went to a you know we kind of have a, a, a little covid bubble sort of thing where we sort of hang out together because none of us have families in the area and we don't see anyone else so kind of hang out and we went to a cabin uh, about a month ago and just you know hung out did all kinds of you know guy things drank a lot smoked a lot you know built fires that sort of thing it's like okay this is a good time i I enjoyed it um yet there's other times that i'm in groups like that where i where i don't feel comfortable at all and um I would guess – now, I don't know what everybody else thinks, but I would guess that that's a pretty common human experience where, yeah, sometimes you feel you know, um, at home or sometimes you feel out of place. And it just depends on the circumstances, the people, and all kinds of things. Um, hmm. But I think when it comes to – when it comes to gender and especially a lot of, I think the information that's out there and sort of getting pushed these days, it's like, well, Oh gosh, I I feel uncomfortable, you know, 90% of the time when I'm around a group of guys, maybe I'm not really a guy, especially since I want to be a woman, Hmm. (laughs) you know, it's easy to just kind of make that leap. Um, and I, and I don't think that leap is, actually there to be made would you would you mind explaining what it what you mean by the desire to be a woman or what what is it to want to be a woman and maybe when did that start for you i think there was just always um even from a young age um definitely a, a 
a a notice of a difference between who I was um, and who the you know sort of other the other gender the 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 the, the girls were and just always. I don't know. There was just something always about it where it's like, gosh, I wish, I wish I was in that role. And, and, and I mean role by, in terms of, you know, societal roles, gender roles. I also mean physically, it's like you know, growing up mm-hmm. and, you know, going through say puberty. It was like, well, gosh, I, I kind of wish, um, I kind of wish I was going through it from that side of things and not mine. Um, so it was kind of all of the above. It, it, it's, um, you know, definitely a desire to have, you know, female characteristics look like a woman would look, um, and behave in a way that I think is, um, kind of you know generally accepted as as female um would that be like stereotypically um like a a gay man kind of effeminate or are you talking about on a deeper level like a psychological level like the way that you process information the way that people are more important than things just use that stereotype yeah i think it's it's more of a i think it's a deeper level um i would definitely not um, consider myself, um, effeminate or I'm not, you know, as a man, I'm very heterosexual. Um, Hmm. so it's definitely more of that deeper desire to identify with and, and be, um, a female, a woman, um, there's there's very much a, I mean for me I, I mean I grew up um, I grew up very very religious and very conservative and that that will taint a lot of how I view things and I think I've moved uh, quite a bit from my staunch conservatism at least socially. Um, so there, and, there were very clearly defined. Gender was very clearly defined in in your uh, conservative uh, upbringing. Yes, I would say so. Okay. Um, and yeah, so for for me, even now, there's still very much, um, you know, if we got into the uh, if we got into the debate over, you know, whether or not sex or gender is biology or binary and all this stuff, it's like, well, you know. Yeah, sure. There, there's blurring of lines in, in in just about everything in life. Um, you know, not everything in life is, is is black and white, but there definitely is a distinction between between the two. And although I felt, you know what, I, I felt more or less comfortable or fine or okay as a man and performing that role and doing those things, there was just something I found very, um, enticing or attractive about women that 
it it wasn't merely this attraction of I want this in my life, like a, you know, a heterosexual attraction, um, and more so um, this I I want that for myself. I want to be that. Um, if that makes any sense. And how would or how have you imagined yourself becoming that? Would that be like shape, shaping in identity uh, or adopting certain uh, Yeah, that's, that's um You know, for me, I, I've had, you know, I've been going through years of, of counseling and therapy now, and a lot of times I get asked to ask the question, well, you know, what do you, what do you identify as or who are you? And I'm like, I just, I am what I am. Like, I'm living as a man. I'm presenting as a man before you. I've, I've let my beard grow out for the last, like, four or five months. Like, I'm a man. But um, there's this sense of, well, maybe I could shed that identity, medically transition, and sort of let these other things, these other parts of me that I don't that I don't necessarily explore, kind of let those um, hmm. kind of take root, I suppose. You know, one, you know, whether that's I don't know whether that's means like medically transitioning and then getting into developing a sense of, you know, feminine style and those all, all sort of the, you know, sort of, fe- sort of stereotypically feminine things and sort of living out of that rather than living out of sort of the mindset identity or even aesthetic that I, that I live out now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> And so where's the tension of resisting that? Why not do that? Um, I think, like I said, I think for most of my life, it, it, it was this very much conservative, you know, doing things that go against your gender um, – or really go against your your biological sex is is, is sin. It's it's wrong. It's mm. you know there are there are male and female and you're one or the other. And if you go the other direction, um, that's going against what God. That's it's like spitting in the face of your creator. Um, hmm. mm-hmm. I think I lived most of my life out of that mindset. Um, and then I think. I experienced some things a few years ago um, where I was um, a missionary with um, a major, major, major uh, missionary organization and experienced some, experienced some, I would say, spiritual and emotional and verbal abuse um, and was was fired over my job. um, Hmm. Simply because I was uh, wanted to date one of the the women I was um, working with, um, hmm. and it was it was just a mess. I won't get too much into it, but it, it was just a mess. And my whole concept of of God and even my you know conservative um, 
you know, views on social issues, especially this sort of fell apart. Um, and this was back in 2012, 2013. Um, so I got fired at the end of 2012. I mean, it was almost eight, almost eight years ago to the day actually got fired and, and came home and knew I wanted to marry this girl. Um, we ended up getting married in 2014. Um, but I was just left shaken. I mean, my, my faith was my foundation. Um, it was, it was the core of everything that I did and believed and acted out of. And it, um, and it was shaken. I still believed in, in God and, and still believed in, you know, the, the, the Jesus that I, that I see in the, in the Bible, but it was like this, this something doesn't add up here with what happened between me and the church. I don't know if I can believe this. And also, you know, what about, you know, what about all of these questions I've had about gender that for the most part, you know, I can, I've, I, at, up to that point, I was able to just sort of put aside and like, I had this sense of, well, I know who I am. I know, I know who I am. I know who God is. I, I'm, I'm happy with this. I do have these sort of urges and desires on the other, uh, on this other side, but I don't seem to need the, need them to be fulfilled in a lot of ways, when I was overseas doing the missionary work, I mean, I've thought about this a lot lately where I, I'd say I had this sense that who I was and even my masculinity was very affirmed. Like I felt like, say, hmm. my my then girlfriend, now ex-wife, um, I felt like very much affirmed my masculinity and that and that felt good. Like that felt really good to be affirmed in it, and it's like okay, so I don't I don't need to do these things. I, I don't need to, to change anything. But when you know the firing happened, and then about you know this must be like six months into our marriage in 2014, just some other things were happening in life that were just shaking what I believed. It's like, well, okay, God, what? what do I do with these other desires that I've just kind of swept under the rug? Um, mm. <laughs> I know I can't just sweep them under the rug the, the rest of my life because then, you know, as I've, I've heard the saying goes, all you end up with is a lumpy rug. Mm. Um, <laughs> mm. And so um, mm. that was around the time when – that was around the time when sort of gender and transitioning – uh, really came out in the open in society. You know, I had, I had, you know, looked things up on the internet growing up and, and heard stories of transitioning, but you know, up until 2012, 2013, it's like, you don't, gosh, you don't, you don't talk about it. It's not talked about. It's taboo. Most people don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went to a very liberal Oprah, open liberal arts college, um, a big one, um, UNC Chapel Hill, and there, it's not like there were you know trans groups or support groups on campus. Um, and this was back in the the this was back in 2007 through 2011. I was there. It's like it just just wasn't a thing. And then all of a sudden, I get home and uh, from being overseas in 2013 and. Um, you start seeing things on CNN where they're talking about people like Laverne Cox 
And then the whole Caitlyn Jenner thing starts coming up. And then it, it just all of a sudden snowballed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here I am going through this this mental sort of anguish of, okay, God, I don't really know who you are but mm-hmm. um, anymore. And I was fired and very much ostracized and treated very poorly because I wanted a, you know, cis heteronormative relationship. <laughs> um, hmm. What's the church going to do with my struggles? I can't, I can't talk to anybody about these. Um, what do you, what do I do? And then, then the question became sort of every day, okay, well, well, God, do you, do you still love me? Do you still love me? If I, if I transitioned, would you love me? What? And it, and there was just this sort of breaking down of, I think I, I completely lost any idea of who I really was. Um, I would say I was very, from the period of about the end of 2014 through 2017, I was very mentally unhealthy. Um, I started thinking, well, to your point, why not just indulge in this? Why not just transition? I think I'd like, like to do this. I, I think I'd rather do this than than the, the roles I'm living in now. Um, and, it, and it eventually got to a point where towards the end of 2017, I, I was in the state where I don't, I don't know if – I can't, I can't really describe it other than it was like every five minutes I was flipping back and forth. Yeah, I'm going to transition. I'm going to visit the local, you know, gender support clinic here in Philly and I'm going to, I'm going to transition. And then five minutes later, he's like, uh, no, no, I don't want to do that. I, I, I don't, I'm fine with what I'm doing now. I'm happy with it. It's kind of like every just five minutes of going through that process, going through mm. that process. And, um, you know, then it was at that point where I sort of lost my relationship with my my wife because um, she didn't want to go through that. Which I, I I mean I think I think that's fair um, fair to say that she didn't. At the end of the day, she was kind of put taking the, the entire burden of my struggles on herself. I wasn't sharing it with other people, and that was not fair to her. Mm. Um, but it was at that point where I was like, okay, I I need to get healthy and figure out what being healthy means. You know, I, I didn't want to lose my relationship. I'm I'm still uh, very sad over that. Um, but over over the course of the next couple of years, I finally got sort of connected to churches again, um, and. Decided at that point that hey, I need to be open. Um, need to be open about what I'm dealing with and what I'm struggling with. And in some ways that was really good. In some ways that was really bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I was probably open to too many people too quickly. Um, okay. You know, I, I had I had one pastor who was trying to help with my marriage basically tell me that just just having gender dysphoria in just in the ways with which I was dealing with it could have constituted abuse of against her? my uh, yes against my wife hmm. and I was like yeah. well yeah I know she didn't like this but it's like this is 
it's like here I am having this very internal struggle and I'm trying my best to deal with it. And no, it was not good that my wife bared the full burden of it for a while, but it was like, you're saying it's abuse? Like, how can I trust you with that? Uh, how can I trust you with that and, and, and like, truly wrestle with it? Um, so, you know, it's things like that that just is saying, no, you can't, you can't do it. You need to fight for your marriage. You need to do this. You need to do that. A lot of the, you know, as I got back into the church, um, you know, that conservatism. What drew you back to the church? Was it familiarity or was there um, some uh, truth or guidance that you received that? that I think it was, the tr- I think it was the truth that. I still believed. I never lost belief. I lost hope that I could function within a church. And then my wife left. And, you know, I was like, well, this is serious. You know, having a spouse leave is serious business. Um, and it's traumatic. Um, hmm. So at that point, I was like, well, I, I do have a couple of trusted friends. One is one has a degree in biblical counseling that um, they were actually with us overseas, and then um, they moved here to Philadelphia as well. Um, so I said, I'm going to go talk to them. And so I went and just started talking to them and started going to their church and um, just heard a message that was much more open, that was just not this black and white you know, we're trying to deal with and root out your sin and, and make sure you're your perfect little Jesus followers. It was it was this being a human is hard. Being a human is hard. We we screw up. A lot of the times we don't know where those lines are and we need like we need Jesus, um, was sort of the message. Um hmm. But I liked there was something that just drew it in. It's like, yes, I mean that's that's what I believe. I still believe in God. I still believe in this in this Jesus who kind of came in and and upset Jewish customs and norms, um, even though still adhering to them and and all of this. And it was like, okay, uh, like maybe there's a place for me in this world and even in this faith. Um, to deal with gender and try to figure out, okay, what is, um, what is the truth? Um, I don't want to say my truth, uh, specifically because in some ways I, I kind of deem it, I kind of deem that phrase, uh, let's just say not helpful. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More so, like, what what is the truth? Like, God, who am I? What is my purpose? What do you want from me? Hmm. How do I go about doing things? And I, and I think there is this there is this point in there where I started to believe that. Okay, well, maybe maybe transitioning isn't isn't just this black and white sin. What if, you know, what if it's just the route that God has for me? Hmm. Um, 
let me jump into that. Uh, but I never, um, this was a few years ago. This is probably 2018 now. And, but I never really, I, I, at that point there was still at least an outside hope for the marriage and I wanted my marriage. Um, I think my conclusion was I want the marriage. Um, I'm going to fight for that. Um, And then finally, at, at one point, I mean, I bounced around between a couple of churches because I still had sort of run-ins with the initial church I, I got back into. Um, I finally found one where I, you know, I went I went to church on a, on a Sunday morning. Um, I had gone there randomly um, because I had left I had left one church, and then the only other church I knew locally that I sort of somewhat agreed with their theology, at least that I was familiar with. Uh, it was the one my wife was going to at the time and I showed up one Sunday morning and, um, showed up well early because I didn't really want to see my wife. I wanted to talk to the pastor and he said, well, why don't you go check out this other church down the road? So I go in, I check out this church had never been there before. It's, it's a tiny like neighborhood church here in Philadelphia, probably 80 to a hundred people, you know, a good chunk of them are people that have been going to that church for 40 years. And, but there was a, a, a small, like my age contingent and I just, I'll, I'll never forget, um, I'll never forget the pastor's wife getting up and kind of sharing a testimony about just mental health and her struggling with mental health, even as a pastor's wife. And she's like, I'm a pastor's wife. I'm not supposed to struggle with this, hmm. but I do. And it's like, okay, there's something different about this church and how they, they, they approach suffering. And so I went and, um, I ended up meeting with the pastor like two or three days later and just gave him my story and he didn't bat an eyelash. And he's like, Oh, so yeah, you, hmm. these are things you're dealing with and you're dealing with your marriage. And he's like, you know, just know that, that you're loved and you're cared about and, and I want to be here for you if you'll let me. It's like, okay. And then, so this is like end of 2018. I, I, I go, I went overseas for a quick vacation, um, just to get away from everything and sort of had these sort of intense experiences. I was in, I was in Munich for Oktoberfest. Um, it was a solo, I was solo traveling, went to Munich for Oktoberfest and I had actually been the year before with one of my good buddies. Um, but this, that year I went, I went on my own and I started meeting all these people and I'd get really drunk and I'd start telling, talking to them about my gender dysphoria and all this. And, you know, I'm like talking to people from California who I meet in Munich and they're like, oh yeah, that's great. Like you should, you should definitely just, just transition. Like, what are you waiting for? Um, then I went to some, I went to some like hippie uh compound hostile type thing in zagreb croatia after that where we all just kind of sat around and smoked all day for two days straight and it was the same thing so and i was like oh gosh i, I feel so loved i feel so welcome mm. like here i am you know 
here I am uh, opening up about these things and things I want to do, and and everybody just loves it and is welcoming it, and and like why why not just do it? And so like I came back from Europe and, and decided, uh, oh yeah, let's let's just do it. Uh, let's let's transition. Um, I like called up the 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 clinic here and got on the waiting list and um I told the pastor that that's what I was going to do and he just said, "Well, okay. Um I can't I can't stop you from doing that, but he's like you're going to need He's like, you're going to need like help and friends and people around you while you're going through this, right? And I said, well, yeah. And then he said, I, I think we should keep talking. Um, and eventually I got to talk to a younger couple at the church about it. And they just said things like, oh, hey, we, we need people with your story and the things you're going through at our church. We, we need you there. Because at this point, I think I had, I think I'd quit going to the church again after my trip and the next Sunday, I was like, I, I woke up and I actually wanted to go to church because I was like, oh, my friend, like, my friends are there. This pastor, I think, is my friend. These younger, this younger couple is my friend. I, I love them, and I think they love me as well. Like, I want to be there at church for any, for no other reason than just to be around them. Um. So that kind of then started this whole, you know, I, I think I said, uh, I think I said, you know what, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm not going to, not going to transition. Um, and, hmm. or I just said, I'm going to put it off. And eventually this sort of intense feeling that I needed to or should sort of waned. Um, I had a panic attack somewhere in there too. Um, and ended up ended up like in the midst of that panic attack, like my phone got busted and I ended up going and getting a new phone number new phone, decided to get a new phone number so like the, the waitlist people couldn't even contact me. And oh. it was like, okay, this is the path I'm gonna live on. And even though my marriage isn't looking good and it looks like we're gonna get divorced, I'm gonna fight for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna live as a man. I'm gonna be what I was supposed to be. Um <laughs> And, um, hmm. yeah, things just, you know, my wife and I are officially divorced and then things just haven't worked out and I really haven't talked to her at all in two years. Um, and I felt like after a while that, that, that sort of battle and struggle that was going on there, there's a lot of mental health and depression, anxiety struggles going on just surrounding the marriage and dysphoria and all that it eventually it just got kind of like to a point where I, I can't handle this anymore like i have i have um you know i'm dealing with this this dysphoria and you know maybe i just need to move on and and, and try something else and so eventually um i actually talked to another uh, another woman at our church that that i hadn't really talked to about it before but i, I sensed she was safe and she was like, I, I can see it in your eyes. You, you, you really want to live as a woman. Like your, your, your face just lights up when you talk about doing it. And, hmm. and it's like, Oh, like this is different. <laughs> like 
having someone that believes a lot of the same things I believe theologically just saying, hey, this is like I support you 100% if this route this is the route you go down. It's like, oh, wow. And it was like this it was like this crack in, in a dam that just suddenly busted. And I was like, oh, gosh, I'm, I think I'm actually going to do it. I think I'm actually going to um, transition. And so that was the beginning of 2020, I think. I, I don't know. Times this year's just been so nuts. Yeah, I don't, it's a little weird. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and so eventually, yeah, I, I, I did sort of just say, you know what, this is something I want. The other thing I want in life just isn't happening. Um, let me pursue it. So I called up the clinic. I think the wait list was like nine or 12 months, but then they said, Oh, are you the person that was on this list like a year and a half ago? I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. And the lady says, Oh, well we can get you an appointment in like three weeks. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I thought I had like nine or 12 months to kind of mentally work through and prepare and, yeah. and like get ready to go on hormones. And they said, no, three weeks. And then COVID hit, and then it was, and then eventually I, I, I sort of, I don't know. Throughout this time, I was, I, I started talking to more and more people, and more and more people were just like so supportive and like, yes, you know, we, we want to see you be your true self, and mm, okay. and like want to see you live and and be happy, and it was like I was getting all of this positive reinforcement about this decision. Like, well, it must be the right thing to do. And so uh, end of April, I finally had an appointment and went on and started, you know, hormone therapy. How was that? Um, you know, I – it's kind of tough for me to talk about because in some ways, like, it was – it felt like everything I wanted it to feel like. Um, you know, there was a lot of emotional changes um, very quickly. Um, physical changes started happening. It was like I, I, I loved, I loved the emotional changes to be honest, because I, I mean, I feel like in some ways, just dealing with depression and anxiety, it's like I felt, I felt like my emotions were stunted. Um, Huh. And like I felt like the hormones, it's like I felt like I was to get them out. Um, you felt like get the the recording broke like up. Prop, yeah, I, I feel like I was able to get like properly like experience things like sadness or okay, yeah, or even like I was going, I was in you know still meeting with a, a counselor at the time and same one I'm still meeting with now and I felt like I was able to explain how I was feeling a lot better like and there's just something that I mean I really I really liked about that it's like I, I liked being able to say tear up or cry easily or something like I, I, I enjoyed it I also enjoyed um, you know there's there's the the aspect that um, sort of the I've heard it explained before. I don't know how it has to do with like women and, and men have different, you know, they have different brain structures and different amounts of gray matter and whatnot in their brain and women are able to multitask more. And I, I don't know how much like HRT actually helps with that, but it felt like to me, like 
I saw some of that happening too. And I was like, well, this is really cool. Like suddenly, like I went from not being able to have more than like two or three browsers o- or tabs open on my browser to having like 50 <laughs> and ha- having it not bother me. I was like, oh, this is cool <laughs> um, huh. on, the, on the lighter side of things. Um, and also, in, in, you know, I liked the physical changes that were starting to happen. Um, so I actually really enjoyed it. Pardon um, me for asking this. Was it yeah. by physical, is it the way that you fit into the room? Is it the way that you fit into space? Were you more connected to that, or or was it more on your form was more aesthetically pleasing? To well, you? I wouldn't say my form was more aesthetically pleasing. I was only on on the medication for like three and a half months, so not much changed. But it's like you know, developing breasts, that sort of thing. It was like, okay, yes, this is what I want. I'm so happy mm-hmm. this is happening. This is exciting. Like. Like I'm, I'm moving in the direction to get to a point where my aesthetic or how I fit um, is how I want it to be. Um, so I was very excited about that. Um, and and the dysphoria or what you were terming as dysphoria did that lessen? Did did you uh, feel like you were coming into a, alignment with? what was prompting you to uh, go in that direction? I think I'd say yes. Um, I think so. I think it's tough. (sighs) It's tough to look back on because, um, not meaning it's hard or distressing, but it's just, it's a hard thing to parse out a little bit because keep in mind, I was doing this, I started this sort of at the beginning of COVID and trying to adjust to living life, you know, out of my house. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily the most outgoing person there is, but I need to be around people. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I need to be around people. I need my my drinking buddies that I have at work. I need, and I didn't have those things. And so there was this, I don't know. There's just this sense of like, hey, I'm moving in the direction that I've been wanting to go in, and this is this is taking me um, this is taking me in that direction. Um, but it's hard to judge. It's really hard to judge what exactly I was thinking. And how I felt about it, because there's just so much going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this year's been so nuts. Um, and I think, I think part of the reason why I, you know, so I stopped after three and a half months, because even was even during this time, I still had this question of, wait, is is this what I really want? Because we're i'm doing something and i'm putting chemicals into my body that are going to make permanent changes do i really want to make these permanent changes am i sure that this is what i want and it just got started getting to this point where i was like no i'm i'm not sure you know the the, the intense feelings of this is what i want compare and combined with all of the support I was getting, you know, pre-COVID, 
it's like, oh yeah, this is what I want. This feels good. Like I want to, I want to keep doing what feels good. But then as I was sort of, you know, left with my own thoughts and processing like, oh, hey, if I, if I keep taking these, these injections I'm taking, like there isn't, there isn't any going back without significant hardship. And so is this something that I really want? And I think I came to the conclusion that no, it's, it's not, um, Hmm. it's, it's something that, yeah, it's nice. I'd, I'd like that to be the case, but given sort of other realities in life, um, I don't think this is right. Um, I kind of liken it to, I liken it in some ways to like, okay, I love sports. I love football, baseball, soccer. It's like, I, I love to be a football or baseball player or a soccer player. Love it. But am I talented enough? No, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I can't do it. I don't, and, and I don't hear at you know, 31 years old. I don't, I don't try to do everything I can to, to be a, to be a professional athlete because that's just not happening. <laughs> mm. um, and I know given, you know, the, the, the state of medical transition, the research and all things that are going, going on with that, it, it's not a perfect analogy, but it sort of explains a little bit about how I've, how I've come to feel about it. Um, at least when I'm, level-headed and not dealing with anxiety anxiety or depression because those things can quickly push me into a space where I'm like, I need to escape. I need to just transition, um, that sort of thing. Yeah. One thing that I've um, heard um, from individuals uh, who've experienced something similar to what you're describing and professionals who deal with people who have gone through this mm-hmm. is that the gender topic loosely construed can be a reservoir for a lot of other things for a lot of depression anxiety uh can give you a place to deal with that uh yep. in more concrete or maybe uh, uh more iconic terms uh of uh just thinking about man woman and 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 yep. using that so without that you would the, the anxiety, the depression goes back to this diffuse thing that uh, you can't really pin down? Is... Yeah, it could. I mean, it's it's kind of like a... I was thinking about it and if, if been asked this by, you know, therapists, it's like, it's almost like a chicken and egg sort of thing. Is it, is it the gender that's causing the depression and anxiety or is the gender your way out of depression and anxiety and I think Hmm. again this is where I think COVID kind of really wrecks with my ability to properly analyze it but you know being on hormones didn't really help with the depression and anxiety I think it did to some extent Um, but Hmm. 
here are all these other problems going on in the world that are giving me kind of anxiety and depression. This isn't taking this away. Obviously, it's a bigger problem than just just the uh, just the gender. Um, hmm. And I think I think that that's that's just where some of you know those bigger you know, much bigger questions come in as like, why, well, why do I feel depressed, depressed or anxious? Is it because I, I just don't feel adequate? Is it because I feel like I'm failing? Is it like, what, like, what is it? Why do I feel this way? And I think I came to a point where I'm like, okay, changing my body and changing how I present to the world. I don't think it's going to fix those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's going to answer the big questions of, of of purpose and identity and authenticity and mm-hmm. and you know why do I still have these strong desires to to actually be a father like like I, I want to I'm 31 years old I want to be a dad um, you know I want to have kids I you know I had I had a great I have I had and have a great father he's he's still around like i i want to live i want to live that out for my own children and it's it's not this thing where like oh i just want to be a parent or you know i could be a a a trans woman who's a mother who adopts it's like no i want to be a dad Hmm. (laughs) like there's just there is just something great about my experience growing up with my dad you know regardless of his imperfections and like there's just like i I want that um am i it's like and it's like well a lot of my depression and anxiety even right now comes from you know i I had a marriage that i didn't want to lose like these days it's like i I had a marriage i didn't want to lose i wanted to have children like biological children with my wife i thought she'd be a great mother i'd be a great father i wanted that um, and so, you know, a lot of my depression and anxiety has, has, has stemmed over the past three years now from losing that and feeling inadequate in that. And, you know, I mentioned like masculinity earlier, just not feeling affirmed in my masculinity anymore. And, um, hmm. I forget where I was going with it a little bit, but, um, how is, yeah, it just um, it wasn't answering the questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it is really um, odd this year with uh, lockdown and the way in which uh, society has chosen to, or the people in charge with deciding how society deals with uh, this particular difficulty, uh, has <laughs> really put a, a quash down on, on community. Community mm-hmm. itself has been. Uh, largely downgraded uh, over these last few months. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems from your story that that a large part of church um, had to do or has to do with plugging into a community that, that yeah. one, accepts you, and two, provides different sorts of avenues for dealing with suffering. Yeah. Um, what is it about the Christian story, the Christian faith, the Christian theology that helps you and that allows you to plug into that community and, and, and also, uh, 
as a grand narrative, if you think of it in that terms, allows you to to kind of formulate uh, a structure around you for your life and your yourself. Yeah, um, I think that's a that's an excellent excellent question. Um, I think it's. There's just something I, I've I, I found. I think I found a group of people that I can simply be authentic around, and that's and that's um, hmm. that's in the sense of I can openly s- sort of struggle with them. It's like I hey I'm having depression anxiety. Um, gender dysphoria, if you want to call it that, is popping back up. Or, you know, I've been able to go to them and say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm struggling with on a day to day basis. You know, will you pray for me? That sort of thing. Hmm. And the response is, is always absolutely. You're not alone. You, you are loved and cared for, cared for. And I think there's just something to do. I think there's just something when I think when people genuinely when people genuinely I think try to follow Christ, they try to follow Jesus. I mean, you, you see this example. You know, he, of course, he, he says like, "Oh, you know, go and sin no more." Or you know, there is some talk about sin and all this, but. You know, his first response is love. His first response is is giving love and giving dignity. I mean, if you think about his interaction with with a prostitute, it's it's, it's first you have you are loved and you have dignity. You have dignity and decency as a human being, and there is nothing that you struggle with that isn't outside of the human norms. And I, I, I think, I think my, with a lot of my struggles in the past with the, with the church has been, you know, the, it seemed like the first response a lot of times is, well, let's fix your sin problem. Sure. You have, you have dignity and, and, and worth as a human being, but we need, we really need to fix your sin problem. I found a group that just isn't like that. It's like, no, like you're loved. We're screwed up. Um, you know, I, you know, getting away from gender a little bit, it's like, I would talk about things that went on with my marriage and, and somebody would say, well, yeah, what you did in that situation wasn't good, but you're, you're human. Like that happens. Like you don't need to feel this intense shame or feel like you're some horrible monster. Like you're human and we love you. Yeah. Does that diminish uh, the pursuit of becoming better? Does that provide uh, justification for not trying uh, to be better? Um, Do the good. And how does it not if, if it doesn't? I feel like for me it's 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 an encouragement because I think for me I have I have an inherent like I, I want to be the best person I can I want to care I, I want to I, I want to care about people I want to do good in this world I you know 
whatever sin is, I don't necessarily want to do it. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of the times the the enticement to be too the enticement in terms of doing something I shouldn't do or becoming self-absorbed or um, or anything comes out of a place of well. I'm not adequate anyways, so why bother trying? And so there's this sense of when I when I have this sort of affirming group around me, it's an encouragement like, yeah, actually you are, you do have dignity, you do have worth. Like you can keep working at it. Um, you can keep getting better and keep getting healthy. And so that's kind of been that's kind of been the route that I'm sort of taking with life right now is okay. So I have a base, I believe I have a base level acceptance based on the stories of the Bible and the story of Jesus and him, you know, offering up the chance to partake of the kingdom of God. So I have this base level acceptance now I want to keep living in that because I feel like when I live in that, I feel better than I do when I don't. Or if I'm just living in, you know, often self-indulged la-la land. Um, hmm. mm-hmm. So I think it's – I think it can be easy um, to use this base level justification and, and acceptance to – Say, well, now I can do whatever I want. I don't really have to get better. But I, I tend to question, well, at that point, how much do you really believe in your acceptance um, at that mm-hmm. point? I, I suddenly remember that verse from Paul about everything being permissible, but not everything being beneficial. Yes. Um, that's one I played in my head a lot over the past several years, like, if everything's permissible, then sure, why not? Let's just let's just transition. And but I think the, the the question I had, and the question I've always stuck with, and that's that I keep coming back to to not transitioning is hmm. I'm not sure it's beneficial. <laughs> I'm not sure at the end of the day it's really beneficial. Um, you know, another verse from Paul that stuck out was you know when I. I'm paraphrasing here. It's like when I was a child, I acted like a child. I spoke like a child. And there's there was part of me, you know, towards the end of my time on HRT that I, I felt like there, there there feels like something I feel a little bit like a child doing this. I feel like I'm trying to like run away to sort of just escape. I don't really feel like I'm taking responsibility for my own life, my own health. I'm saying, well, if there's this magical sort of cure, let me go run after that. Or um, I, I was browsing a, a subreddit recently on, on detransitioners, and, and somebody brought up the term. They likened it to suicide ideation, and they said transition ideation. Like you just feel like if you just do it, everything's going to be okay. You're going to escape. And a lot of times that's how I feel. And I, and I liken it back to the verse from Paul because 
in a lot of ways, I, at least for me, that isn't a mature response. That's not a mature thought or idea to say, oh, hey, I'm going to do this and everything's going to work out. Because it, it, it's not. Like <laughs> You're going to have problems. There's going to be other things. Um, and by me choosing, say, transition and hormones, I was also, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't over my marriage yet. And I'm, I'm still not. And it's, it's like, what, what good is it to in terms of healing and recovering and growing to just try to do something to just run away, um, from it. And there's this, there's this part of me now that, um, like I'm 31 years old. I want to be a dad. I, I have a great job. I own a house. I have a lot of good things that on the outside you're like, gosh, life's really looking good for you. Um, and I, and I recognized how fortunate and how blessed I am in that, that, you know, even through all this kind of mental hell, I've been able to work and, and, and make decent money and whatnot. But there still was a part of me that it was like, they was saying, Torin, it's, it's, it's time to grow up, you know, it's time to grow up a little bit. You know, it's time to to put away the sort of fantasy land and and face reality. It's time to stop stop fantasizing about transitioning. Either you're going to do it or you're not. Or it's time to start stop getting lost in in you know video game worlds for hours on end. Like, sure. Go enjoy them for, for a bit of time, but but stop these six or seven hour sessions of just sitting in front of the TV. Um, and I'm still still working on that. Um, <laughs> Have you got a chance to check out Cyberpunk? Since, no, since you brought it up? Okay. I don't know anything about it. I've, I've, I've heard it heard the name but um we don't have to get distracted you brought up video games so (laughs) uh it's all right i i i enjoy them um i enjoy getting lost in stories i think Mm. it's an escape Mm -hmm. um Mm. (laughs) but i don't know anything about cyberpunk um i think i think you've done it a little bit in this program um just opening up and sharing i think has a I'm sure it has a personal value and a personal risk, but also a potential um, value in the eyes of others, uh, allowing mm-hmm. your story to be told, um, which isn't a story that is is necessarily told. Uh, in in the two years that I've been exploring this topic, it's very rare for a male to open up, a male that hasn't gone uh, all, all the way uh, through transition to open up. Um, mm-hmm. And and so having your story just on record uh, does do a lot uh, for anybody who would stumble across it. But I'm wondering, um, is there anything explicit that you, you would have liked to hear um, if you were speaking to yourself or speaking to somebody in your position uh, – five years ago, six years ago, things that, that you Mm. would like out there, um, not necessarily as a disaffirmation or something that, that goes against the affirmative culture that, that is in place now, but something that would help, um, somebody who's open to questioning this and open to, to being skeptical about, um, Mm -hmm. what's going on inside of them with regards to gender. 
Yeah. Um, it's something I've thought about a lot lately. Um, I think I think that's something that's helped me the most, and this even goes back to your community question a little bit is is just not just knowing that I'm knowing that I'm not alone. Um, I've had, you know, a lot of people in my community, they don't struggle with this like I do or at all really, but they always said, you know, turn, turn, you're not alone. You don't have to deal with this alone. Um, I think, I think what ultimately sort of destroyed my marriage, for example, was, was trying to deal with it alone. Um, hmm. You know, I, I felt, for me, honesty and transparency are a very are two very key values and virtues that I hold in my life. Um, and so, my, my my wife knew about the gender struggles before we even got engaged. I wouldn't let myself pop the question without telling her. Um, and I think that was good. And uh, I think that is probably a wise piece of advice if you are in a relationship and considering the big marriage thing don't keep this a secret <laughs> before you pop the question but also don't do what i did and not earnestly and honestly wrestle with it with other people because it's too big of a question and too big of a struggle to deal with on your own or with one other person. Um, I think, I think before, yeah, go ahead. Are are online communities uh, sufficient uh, for that? Are you uh, advocating for something more? I'm advocating for something more. Um, I feel like the the online communities, the Reddits of the world, um, quickly become echo chambers, where you know you go on to a male to female subreddit and it's just like, oh yeah, you're valid. You know there there's sometimes a little bit of pushback, like I don't know, you should you should really get some help um, from a gender therapist or something like that or. I think I'm advocating for, I don't know, it's tough to put into words. It's definitely something more holistic and like having it, having it, like being real with people in your day to day life and being real with where you're at. And even, I mean, I'm even talking to myself right now because as I deal with and struggle with these things, like I, like I said, I, I mean, I have a group of friends, very close friends that I, that I now trust with my life that I have really no problem talking about these things with, but it's almost like I, I still, I won't share with them unless I'm on one extreme or the other. I, I rarely talk and share with them when I'm act- actually like actively wrestling out these questions. 
And I think what I've, you know, what I've learned from them and learned from my journey is, I mean, these are questions that, that need to be, that need to be dealt with in big ways with help from, with help from, you know, obviously counseling, but even from just people who who know you and care about you, um, it's really the only way you can sort through it is 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 in is in a place of support and community and i think the biggest thing that my community showed me was it's okay to have these questions it's okay to have doubts it's okay to change your mind it's okay it's okay. To be a human. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's okay to be a human. You don't have to be It's okay to be a human. You don't have to be a trans person in a box that loves your transition. You don't have to be someone who decides not to transition and it was this horrible stupid idea that you could have never done and now you need to endlessly shame yourself for ever thinking about it. No, it's okay to just struggle and be human. Um, and yeah, I don't, uh, I don't see, I don't see a whole lot of that out there um, about just about just sitting, kind of sitting in that struggle. It's like, well, okay, well, let's get out of the struggle. Let's, let's figure out a way to make that struggle go away. You know, if, if you feel like you, you want to be a woman and then take the hormones, put the clothes on and, and like craft your identity and that struggle will go away. It's like, well, no, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't go away. <laughs> like for some people, it, it helps and probably, you know, I, I'm not really opinionated on it at this point where it's like, yeah, sure. For, for some people, yes, that is a way to, to help. And that's, that's the route to go. But, um, it's probably for far fewer people than it's kind of being pushed in society these days. But I, we, we do a bad job in our society in our world these days of, of sort of sitting in a gray area and sitting in struggle. Um, hmm. That's one, one thing that I've talked a lot with my therapist about lately. It's like, let's, let's, let's sit in the gray area. Let's sit in it. Let's not, let's not be passive and not do anything. You know, it's like, well, I, I can just sit on my couch and play video games until I decide whether I want to transition or not. It's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, let's not try to um, escape the struggle by transitioning. But instead, you know, the way I'm, the way I'm looking at it now is let me do what I need to do to get healthy. The struggle is there. Let's let it be there. Let's ask the questions. Let's be honest with my friends when I'm in the middle of the questions and not only when I think I have an answer. Like, let's mm. sit in that struggle instead of trying to escape it. And, you know, I'm still, it's been it was the beginning of August when I went off the hormones and kind of started going down this path a little bit and I'm, and I'm still, I'm still in the middle of it. I still have the intense desire to transition. There are times where and it's like, maybe I should, maybe I should. Um, hmm. 
So I'm still in the thick of it and I'm still sitting in this struggle. And honestly, I think I've had a lot of personal growth because of that. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm stronger than I thought I was. You know, maybe uh, even though my life feels like it's falling apart with COVID and the marriage and all this stuff, like maybe I feel knocked down, but, but maybe because I'm actively wrestling with this and, and trying to stay engaged in other ways in life, like maybe I can get off the mat a little bit and, and like, maybe I can do better than I was doing at work and maybe I can, you know, commit, uh, you know, COVID has been terrible and COVID has been terrible. And so is this gender and depression, and anxiety for like my own physical health. It's like, well, well, maybe I can get on my, my stationary bike and ride more. And like, I'm finding out that I had, because I'm sitting in this struggle, I'm finding out that I have a lot more strength Maybe more, a lot more to offer people than I think. Maybe if I just kind of run, um, yeah. I don't. I, I don't know. Um, that you've um, given us a lot, <laughs> I, and I really, um, I, I don't know how to say this in the proper way, but I really appreciate that you're allowing that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I have to bring up gender. Men don't mm-hmm. do that. We don't allow that. And right. there's good reasons for that, but there's also right. uh, very d- big consequences for that um, right. with regards to mental health. Um, and and right. pla- placing yourself in the position of being uh, vulnerable uh, is uh, a courageous endeavor. Yeah. Um I mean, I appreciate the compliment. I think I, I think for me, it's it's like I, like I said, I honesty and transparency for me are something that are, I think, within reason, <laughs> good values to have. Um, <laughs> yeah. Within reason, I have yeah. suffered the consequences of being too honest and transparent with people. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, especially for for men like myself, um, it's it's a discussion I think needs to be had a little bit more. Um, you know, everything sort of in the news and all the books being written are, are mostly about you know teenage girls transitioning and then maybe regretting it, maybe not. Or, you know, you, you do a Google search on YouTube for detransitioners and like eight, eight out of 10 are eight out of 10 are, you know, female to male back to female. And then, you know, the other one and a half out of the last two are like detransition, like people who detransitioned, male to female detransitioners who then retransitioned and then it's like the last half are like religious examples that are like oh i realized this was sin and i need to quit mm, and mm. i mean i've i've found very few like legitimate you know men who have at least taken some steps down this road that are willing to just talk about it I wouldn't even say from a vulnerable standpoint. I would just say 
to me, it feels more like honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like most most of the men I've come across with these sorts of things, it, it's it's been a very much in a again like some sort of a dr- agenda driven thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think you know, men in general, we tend to be a little bit more. You know, yeah, we we love having our bodies and we love, you know, hanging out, drinking, burning things, you know, shooting things or, you know, whatever. But, um, like, very rarely I do I find it um, natural for men to go deep. And I think one of the things I've been very thankful for about my community is that is that something we've valued. It's like, how are you doing? Well, fine. Well, no, no, really. How are you doing? Like, what, what's gone on this week? How are you feeling about it? Um, even though we, we as men, it tends to be uncomfortable to go to those places. Um, hmm. I, I mean, I just, I just had this thought just now, and, I, and it's probably not original, but it's like how much, how much of that uncomfortability is because we don't necessarily deal with our quote unquote feelings um, very well internally. So we don't want to, we don't want to deal with them with other people. Hmm. But in reality, the best way to actually deal with them a lot of times internally is by dealing with them with other people. Hmm. Um, Hmm. And yeah, it's like, I, you just, you just don't see it in, in sort of male culture. And, and then when you bring in things like gender with it, I mean, there is this just, it's like, there's an, there's an expectation to, to fit into a box as a man, you know, that could be, you know, extremely, you know, macho, you know, jock type, or, you know, they're, 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 they're different boxes. Yeah, there are different boxes. Yeah. Different boxes in masculinity, yeah. but you're very much expected to stay in one of those boxes and clearly define it as I'm a man. Hmm. It's when you start it's like I always felt this shame around even talking about, well, you know, I'm a man. I, I, I shouldn't I shouldn't want to be a woman. Like I can't talk about this. And and my my male friends are gonna think less of me if I do. Um which I found is mostly, at least for me, not the case. I don't know if it's just the people I hang around with, or, but most of the time they're like, you know, no, I, I don't understand, but I, I get, I get having struggles and issues and mm. and questions, and so, hmm. I, I, you know, to kind of go back to your original question, like I, I, I don't know exactly what i think i would have liked to hear because I, I don't think i don't think my story's played out yet like i said i think i'm still living right in the middle of it but i'd love for more people in my spot to, to have a place to earnestly wrestle with these things in community you know not just not just your negative thoughts like well I think maybe I shouldn't do this but also with the thoughts of hey I want to do this like like just openly and honestly wrestle with it because I don't think we're gonna come 
you know, we're in, the, we're in this we're in this huge moment in society where these issues are so huge. I don't think we're going to come to a good to a good answer and a good position on these things if we start from a place of thinking we have the answer, which is transition good or transition bad. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um which is a very very difficult position to uh to promulgate to 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 build a platform on to uh build a community on uh without without that answer uh, the way that that the human being works the way that social media works uh the way that tribes work the way that we congregate around ideas and form beliefs is through bad good uh answer uh, mm-hmm. having some sort of stable um you know position and and the position or the uh that that even trying to conceive of that centrist position that that position that doesn't necessarily have the answers it it's an it's inherently unstable um mm-hmm. unless you are unless you're mature about it and say we can hold on to valid answers and and values and stability and still have space for questions we we can actually be mature enough to have doubts and to contain that doubt in some sort mm-hmm. of field uh, where they can be played with um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it, it requires a sort of uh, evolutionary step on how we conceive of uh, ourselves and each other yeah and I, I think not just it's like <laughs> I think it gets a little bit frustrating when talking about the, the the gender space because in every other sort of space or idea or philosophy or science, we seem to do our best work and our best see our most growth when, when we allow ourselves to operate in that unknown. It's, it's the exploring the unknown and trying to figure it out that, that has led us to some of our greatest achievements as humanity. Hmm. And what we kind of have now, and it's, I mean, I don't want to get into it too much, but it, you know, it, it spills out from gender to sort of some of the whole woke thing where it's like, okay, well, now we, we have the answers. We know what's actually going on. How do we how do we fix that? I was like, well, no, we we don't actually have we we don't actually have the answers. These these things are are um, struggles with gender and social justice and and all of these things that are that are very real problems and very real struggles in this world. They are so complex. I mean, they're probably infinitely complex, and. You're never gonna come up with something that you're probably never gonna come up with something, something perfect. But the way to deal with something like that is to yes, sit in those questions and and wrestle with it and and try out solutions, try out things, experiments, you know, whatever. Um, hmm. But if we start from a place where, hey, we already know the answers and what's really wrong. I don't think we're going to get get very far. Hmm. Well, Torin, I have to wrap this up for um, professional reasons, not having to do with the channel. I have another job going on. Um, yeah, technically I, I do. Re- <laughs> I really, really appreciate you uh, 
allowing me to uh, explore your life and, and putting it out there. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. I, I enjoy you asking the questions. Um, they were very, very good questions that I needed. I think I needed just prompting with a little bit. Hmm. Um, is there is there a video game that you'll go on record as really enjoying? <laughs> oh yeah, um, <laughs> I spent I've spent way too many hours of my life the past couple of years playing Red Dead Two and oh. uh, any of the uh, any of the Assassin's Creed games. Okay, um, that's your okay. I I, I I can jive with that. Yeah, I love the open world. Uh, you know, run around, do crazy things. <laughs> so <laughs> no, I'm not ashamed of it. I just I just wanna. Um, I just want a little bit more self-control in that area. Yeah, advocating for temperance is not a bad thing, um, especially with that particular activity. Yep. Yep. Well, let's keep in touch, and um, I'll post this, and you're more than welcome to field questions in the comments, and um, hopefully we can uh, do this again sometime. Yeah, sure. Anytime you might have questions and or are curious about something, you know, just just let me know. I'm interested in... I'm interested in sharing my story. Um, I, I don't. I don't know how helpful it could be, but um, I think it's probably good to just get the voice out there a little bit. So, yeah. All right. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I will end the recording and uh, wish you a happy day. All right. Your, you too. Uh, congratulations for reaching the end of the discussion. If you enjoyed it, do be sure to leave a review or a comment or a thumbs up or whatever you need to do to show that glorious algorithm that this is some good stuff. And do be sure to go and check that back catalog as it is brimming full of fantastic conversations. Links to provide monetary support are down there in the description as well. Have a good night.